Father, it would be in vain if we looked at your word without your Holy Spirit to uh, illuminate your truths to us. So we submit to you now. We yield our hearts, our minds. And Lord, uh, some of this will be brand new to some, and it might be something that others have studied out thoroughly and know it already. And I pray that all of us will try to pull something from your incredible word. And, and Lord, we see your word connecting. We do not see it separated. We see it that it blends and we see this flow. And ultimately, Lord, we know that you have a, of a goal uh, for the earth, for mankind. And Lord, you have a, a vision. And ultimately, that will be one day the new heaven, new earth. And you even tell us in Peter, the Christians, we, we this time period look forward to that day of the new heaven, new earth. And it's going to be beautiful when, when Satan, whenever the Antichrist, the false prophet, are all into the lake of fire. There will be no more tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Evil will be gone. And finally, perfection for all of eternity will be established. Whole. That's why we pray, Lord, for you to come so that this whole timeline can begin to go towards that mark. But this is your timing. We know of your long-suffering to us. Because, Lord, if it would be in our hearts and our desire, you would come today for us. But, Lord, you want man to be saved, and this is your long-suffering to us, and we thank you for that. Because, Lord, we know how patient you were with us to get saved. And so we pray the same. The Lord, service today. In other ways, Lord, people are going to be coming to know you as Savior, not only just here, but, Lord, globally, that we're going to see these national pastors that we support as they preach today, missionaries around the world as they're proclaiming your truth, The people are going to come to know you. They're going to be your disciples. They're going to follow you, and we thank you for them. Encourage those men and women around the world that are suffering for the sake of Christ we know some regions where we can just see Satan's seat, where he's really, really bringing persecution to the churches. And we pray, Lord, that you will, will utilize this to glorify your name. And many are going to gloriously be saved and protect your people and, and, and help them, Lord. Give them wisdom. Thank you for Pastor Ken and Don. I pray you'll bless them and their children and continue to keep them in your care. Bless each one that is here Lord, that our focus will be on you, that we'll be understanding you and your word. And Lord, we love you. And Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And we thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. All righty. So the Sunday school time here, what I'm going to be doing is talking about earth again. And during the message, we're going to go back up into heaven. So we're going to talk about what is happening up there. And so some of you will, uh, were here yesterday, and maybe you'll remember somewhat of the timeline. This is when everybody's like, it's too early to remember timelines. But there's definitely a timeline because we see a snatching away of the church up into heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, Colossians 3. I love that one because it says, when Christ who is our life shall appear then we will also appear with him in glory. Love that one. So we're going to be going up into glory. And there's going to be a day that we know Jesus is going to be coming back to this earth, that second coming as we defined it yesterday. And But in between there, there's some time on earth, seven year, and then we also have in heaven that bridal uh, time with us and the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven looking forward to some things. So we're going to be going through the judgment seat of Christ. 
and then we're going to have a seven years with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then at the end of that, we have the marriage feast of the Lamb, and then we, we come back with King Jesus. Uh, he takes over at uh, the battle at Armageddon. And so, so on her earth, there's some stuff going on. And uh, the way I see the scriptures is that there are continual patterns. Uh, remember Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you've studied that out lately, but uh, Ecclesiastes says the things that are have already been, and the things that are are all going to be again in the future. Nothing so it's like the there's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. It's the same old pattern. The reason I believe if you're going to understand the Revelation, you better understand Genesis. Because Genesis, the beginnings, shows you the pattern for the rest of time. And what you see in that text is Satan immediately attacking what God loves. So once he rebelled, and we see that rebellion talked about in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, he says, I'm going to be like the Most High God. Well, if he said that, when does it actually take place? Revelation actually tells us when it takes place. He actually goes in during the mid-trib, and he's going to say in the temple of the Jews, I am the Most High God. So he is all about imitating. But I also want to bring up what, we, what happened in Genesis 3. Once he fell, is, is his goal is to deceive lie and kill John 8 44 you are of your father the devil the lust of your father you're going to do what do you do lied killed yep. deceived and that's what we see Satan can't repent he won't repent there's no repentance for the angels he's not like us and so there's no change he is an incredibly powerful being it's hard for us to understand the power that angels have. Psalm 8 says we have been made lower than the angels in that they have capabilities and powers that we don't really understand. There are spiritual battles that are happening right here in this place. God actually talks about <coughs> they angels who give a def definition of what's going on here on this earth in Corinthians. He's talking about you better do it God's way and worship God's way because the angels could give a bad report. In other words, we're doing it wrong. God, God's got his messenger, buddy, and he, he, wants, he wants us doing it God's way, not our way. And so that being said, um, he has an agenda to deceive. So he, he immediately goes after man. Why? Why would Satan immediately in Genesis 3 begin to attack man? Thank you. Monkeys aren't made in the image of God, neither are elephants or giraffe or anything else. So he's going to be attacking that which is made in God's image. Uh, by the way, this will blow the evolution and the creation evolutionists um, out of the pond because this, this is showing you a very important thing. And again, in Genesis, the creation, because God's going to recreate Genesis, Revelation, all connects. And so, so the one who created all things has made man uniquely compared to all of the other creation even unique from angels. There's nothing like us on earth, nor will there ever be. And the redemption was for us. So would you agree that John 3.16 is defining what we're talking about? God so loved the world, mankind, 
So he loves you and I. So Satan, <coughs> who hates God, will attack that which God loves the most. Satan can't kill God. You're not going to touch God. But he can go after that which he loves. There's been, you know, Hollywood's taken up on this theme. Um, in the scriptures, you see how Satan does it. If I can't get to the source, I'll then, if I can't go directly to that person, I will then attack that which he loves or she loves. And then I attack that one's heart. We won't know until we get into heaven how much God loves us. What he went through to make us his own. That he had, in Genesis, everything that God was creating was all pointed to man. He made us last on the sixth day. Why? Because he made everything for us to be able to live on this earth. Everything was for us. He loves us. Let's make man in our image. And so Satan is going to come after us. Also, we have, as uh, the prophets say, that um, there's a nation that is the, the center of God's focal point, the heart of God, and that's the nation of Israel. He chose Jerusalem. He chose the nation of Israel to be the light to the world. Ezekiel 5.5 5 says, I put her right in the center of all nations. Why? Because it's supposed to be all the attention is to go to Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting that Israel is always in the highlights of the news? You realize Jerusalem is no bigger than New Jersey? Yeah. It's not all that pretty. There's some areas that are pretty, but it's a bunch of rocks. When they build something, they use rocks. And yet after a while, you're there for about a week looking at buildings and, and these structures. You're looking at more rocks. After a while, it's like, yep. That's a lot of rocks. And then it's like, well, these rocks are all broken down, so there's not a lot of rocks. And it's rocks, rocks, rocks. And yet everybody's fighting for it. Why? Because God says, that's where I'm going to be putting my name. Right there. Why? Because one day Jesus is going to be coming back, and he's going to be establishing the, the, the kingdom. And uh, it's going to be the capital of the world. All right. So let's go ahead. So I've explained a lot of what we wanted to talk about in that first paragraph. So uh, save a little time. We've, we've kind of hit that. Um, Satan, number one, we talked about this also. Satan's desire is to be in control as God is. And that's where he gets in these texts. He says, I will be like the most high God. Everybody familiar? Are you guys going through Isaiah right now here in this class? So this is really familiar ground for you guys because that's what, you know, uh, the Isaiah really highlights a lot of these important concepts um, and Ezekiel. So it's easy to remember, Isaiah 14, 14 plus 14 is 28, so Ezekiel 28. So now you got the two chapters of where, where the, the details of Satan are, are all about. And so this, these chapters look backwards at the heart of Satan in his beginnings when he fell. What was in his mind? Um, how many angels do we believe followed him? Yeah, we a third. Um, by the way, that's a really obscure verse that actually why we believe that. Because it says that he took a third of the stars of heaven. That's in the Revelation. You say, where's that? 
how did I find that one? Been a while since I found that one, but that's where it is found. So he took um, with tail, he just pulls down a third of the angels, and that's where we believe that. So how many are a third of the angels? <laughs> yeah, because angels are innumerable. You just can't count them. So he's got a really large army. And these we would then call fallen angels or demons. Um, the old English, they didn't use the word demons all the time. They used the word devils. It's like minions, you know, the, the little mini devils, you know. And so he's he's got his people, and he's the king over them. He is definitely the one uh, we see in the scriptures that, that controls. So number two, Satan's desire, what's in his heart, it is ultimately to be worshipped as God. Let's look at these chapters and uh, see these now. Those others I was hoping they were a little more familiar where we get here, and it may not be quite as familiar. You'll see that we'll be in Revelation 12 and 13 several times as in this study. Um, I'm, I'm thinking tonight, because it's kind of open for us, we're going to go through Q&A, um, but, but I really am going to highlight again these two chapters. If you get these two down, you're really going to see a lot of what is the seven-year trib really all about. So we're in Revelation. The first one is chapter 13 and verse number 1. He says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and a, saw a beast rise up out of the sea, um, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. So we know these are not good. This is somebody that's really, really evil who is in control of a ten confederacy uh, political uh, agenda on the earth. You'll notice if you go over to verse 11, and I beheld another beast. Notice where he comes up out of. He comes up out of the, the earth. So the first one comes up out of the sea. The second one comes up out of the earth. As we see this progress later in the scriptures here, we can define the first beast as the Antichrist because that's what we're going to get into. So there's three that are going to be mentioned here, and I'll show you the third one, the third person in this whole chapter. It's in verse number four. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. So this is the first beast. And Satan is the dragon, right? Everybody would see that, right? That old serpent, the dragon, you know, Satan. Yeah, okay. So we know those verses. So the dragon then gives power to this beast. So we can see that this would be, as Second Thessalonians 2 talks about, the Antichrist coming onto the scene. So we will see a literal man coming onto the scene. We see it here, and we see it in Second Thessalonians 2. We also see it in Matthew 24. So all of these texts talk about one coming up. List of other places it talks about the Antichrist, even First John. So he says there in First John, I know you know that the Antichrist comes, but there are already many Antichrists in the world. In other words, there's others that are mimicking what the Antichrist will be doing. So that's the Antichrist. And then the second beast who comes up out of the earth, um, I forgot to mention, C represents the nations. So the sea is like multiplicity, if you will. So it's the, the Antichrist is coming up right out of the nations, if you will. Some feel that he's going to be very international, but we'll see. There's certain things we have no idea. 
they're they're going to know we aren't because we're not going to be here. So, so who do you think the second beast is? Another beast coming up. Well, let's read some verses, and I'll bet you can come up with it. There you go. False prophet. Let's read it. Verse 11. Behold, another beast comes out of the earth. He had two horns. Horns represent power. If you didn't know that symbolism there. Uh, like a lamb. Like a lamb. Like a lamb. Why am I highlighting like a lamb? Because lamb represents Christ. peace. And it represents Christ. And, and Satan is all about imitating God. Okay? He wants to have that counterfeit, you know, if you will. So just like a lamb, but he spoke as a dragon. So there's the authority, okay? And he exercises all power of the first beast before him and causes the earth, uh, excuse me, the earth and those that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So now we're going to start talking in a moment about how Satan imitates it's like everything important to God, Satan wants to imitate. So the first thing is he desires to have the worship. So we see this in um, verse number 12. So the false prophet's agenda <coughs> is to do cause people to do what? Verse 12. I'm sorry? Worship the first one. There you go. So his job... Uh-huh. Uh, his job is to worship the first beast, which is the Antichrist. So the false prophet puts the attention onto the Antichrist. Does that ring a bell with you with anything else that we would see that God has developed in his holy trinity? The spirit leads right. you to all truth. Exactly. And leads you to the understanding that Christ is who he is. That's exactly right. So he says, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself, but he's going to reflect all onto the person of Jesus Christ. So we see the first beast is picturing Jesus as the, as the Messiah. So the false prophet would be doing the work of the Holy Spirit, teaching, pointing everybody to that one. Now, when you look at the first beast, look at... Um, Verse number four, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast. So both the false uh, Messiah and Satan, the dragon, are both going to be worshiped. Feeding each other. True. But do you remember what Jesus said was he, when he was on this earth about his heavenly father? I came to do the will of the Father. Father. Everything that the, com the Father commands me, I will do. And he, Jesus, put all the attention onto the Father. So the head is the Father, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit. Satan is mimicking the exact same thing that Satan is saying, I'm going to be like the Father. The father is number one. The antichrist will be number two, and the false prophet will be number three. So this chain in reverse will be that the false prophet will honor the antichrist, 
the Antichrist is going to be uh, giving his honor to Satan, and it's because Satan gives the power. Jesus said, I can do nothing except the Father gives me strength or power while he was here on this earth as the Son of Man. You see in this? It is like hilarious. And when you start studying this out, it is so predictable what Satan is up to. It's like everything God does, he wants to do the exact same thing. So next point, he's the imitator. You'll notice we're, um, and you, I'm sorry, number three is what we want. Satan will deceive by imitating Christ's power through the Antichrist. And that's what we've basically have already seen, but we... We need to read verse number 14 and 15 also, because this goes along with it. Somebody want to read uh, 13, verses 14 and 15 for me. we're going to be pulling together here. So the first thing we want to pull out in verse 14 is when Jesus Christ came, he says in Isaiah, you guys covered this, I remember you telling me, that he enters into um, the synagogue and he reads the portion in Isaiah and says that the Spirit of God has come upon me and has anointed me. And he says, this day is that prophecy fulfilled. So the anointing of the Messiah was there. And then what did he do? He goes out and starts doing miracles. And he starts doing powerful <coughs> miracles. The first one, which is really, really neat. The first miracle in Cana was what? Water, water into wine. Remember the first plague that Moses did? Water to blood. Gee, you think the Jews were like, hmm, that's interesting. Under the law, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to put it away. He came to fulfill what the law couldn't do because of us, because we're weak. Romans chapter 8 says the law is perfect, beautiful, but we sinners can't keep the law. So that's why Christ came to fulfill it for us, and that way we're righteous before God. That's what that's all about. And so uh, that's book of Romans. Literally, the book of Romans is what uh, is developing that. And so so we see then that the 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 power and incredible power that is going to be resting on satan the antichrist and a false prophet is that they will be imitating the same thing and he will be doing miracles and signs and wonders i don't know why i didn't catch this before i've read through revelation numerous times but i didn't catch this verse eight no i'm sorry verse 14 um the beast who is wounded by the sword yeah, we're going to get to that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're almost, we're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> so everything oh God did, Satan imitates. Okay? So so we see the imitation of miracles. Um, we studied 2 Thessalonians 2 out yesterday. So I'm not going to bore you with that. But it's a key chapter to understanding when the son of perdition, another name for Satan. Oh, by the way, in your notes, I gave you all 
of the names that I know of for the Antichrist that are on your uh, yesterday's pages. So you, I didn't cover everything. So I gave you all kinds of information that we didn't have time to get into. Um, the Little Horn, I mean, yeah, Son of Perdition. Uh, the list goes on with all of the different names that are. And I think I gave you the references, too, if I remember, for them. So that should be on here. Okay? So you got that for yourself for down. That'll be, that's good for, you know, Sunday school lessons and stuff like that. That would be just a flow <coughs> to see the different names. Okay? Uh, so we got that one down. Let me check my time. What time are we done? Nine or ten? I mean, ten. ten okay. Um, so, next thing is that, and number number four is that Satan will imitate Jesus' means of salvation. Now, what's Jesus' means of salvation? First Corinthians fifteen. The resurrection. Yep, death and resurrection. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also have you received, and wherein you stand, by which you were also saved, if you keep that memory which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and was buried, and rose the third day, according to the scriptures. So the law and the prophets pointed to the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ for all the worlds, all the world's sin. Second, uh, second, uh, First John chapter two verses uh, one and two uh, describes that in detail. And so, as Christ died for the sins of the world to redeem man to himself, Satan says, "Hmm, what a great idea! I think I'll do that one too." So go back into verse number three. Actually, Satan's trying to produce. Trying what he's really trying to do. Is he's trying to say, I'm the real God yep. here, and I did all the things that yep. God had done yep. originally. Yep. And so he's trying to, by imitating him, he's trying to give people another alternative mm -hmm. to believe yep. someone fulfilled all the things of Scripture. Yep. Yeah. And I, I forget your first name. Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl was talking yesterday about counterfeit money yes. versus real. Yes. And they look the same, but they're not the same. Nope. One won't buy a thing. Yep. The other will pay for everything. And that's what Jesus does. He pays for everything. Absolutely. Satan, it looks like it, but it's not going to pay for a thing. Yep. And it's, it's worthless, really. That's and that's what, what the world, do, though, exactly right. Which is why he has to try and imitate him in all the things yep. he's doing. Yep, yep. Because as you'll read through the Revelation, the world knows about Jesus. They understand the death, burial, and resurrection. And when this antichrist does the same thing they're going to say wait a minute we just saw it so he's going to deceive them through the same act and they're it's it's all about my god's bigger than your god you know and they're going to blaspheme the name of the god of the believers both jew and gentile who are saved during that time period and they're going to hate that god because he's a bad god sending all this famine and problems of this earth and the real good god is one over here and what you know, you brought, got me thinking. God, in his redemption through the death, burial, and resurrection, brings sanctification and holy living. The Antichrist, in his means of salvation, produces sensuality, idolatry, hate, murder. It's like, I like that God better. I don't want to change. Why would I want to change and not get drunk and do drugs? If you look at chapter 9, the end, 
It says they will not repent of their murders, their sorceries. It has to do with the drug abuse. All of that is part of it. And I have all that in your notes. Okay. And so it's all, all, yeah, you're right. And it's easier because men love darkness Mm -hmm. rather than light. And that's what is a battle of the two gods. So, so he's going to absolutely be imitating. So verse three, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wandered. In other words, they're amazed at the beast and they worship the dragon. In other words, the one who gave him the power to do this. So the honor goes back to the father because Jesus rose from the dead. Here he's doing the same thing. Give all honor to Satan because he empowered me to do this. More detail, as you have mentioned, is that this deadly wound was with the sword. Interesting. Hmm. What? What did he say that the seven heads were in verse 1? I'm sorry. Okay, you're you're always doing this to me. Um, (laughs) Okay. The horns, the heads and horns are defined... Over in chapter 17, verse number 9. We were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. When there's something symbolic in the scriptures, somewhere God's going to define it. The best commentary to the Bible is? The Bible. The Bible. Thank you. So verse 9. Yeah, there you go. There you go. What chapter are you going um, to? 17 and verse 9. And here is the mind, and I know why Paul's bringing this up, by the way, because we talked about this yesterday. Um, And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There's your, remember we talked about the seven mountains in in Rome? Rome is is known for its seven mountains. Oh, does it? Okay. See? Well, we actually, in Pennsylvania, we have the seven mountains. It's seven mountains. So it might be Pennsylvania. <laughs> but, but my guess, we literally, hey, you're going to head over the seven mountains? And that's what we literally call yeah. it. It comes from Lewistown over to State College. Yep. Remember that? Seven mountains. Don't uh, you think it would be better if we I, stay away from the United States? I would, I would think. So let's assume this is Rome, okay? And so that's where, and then the ten horns is verse 12, which you saw are ten kings. And that's where we see the ten horns as the... UN on steroids, I call it. It's just a glorified UN that there's control, and you can get into those details. Maybe don't have to move from New York to Rome. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, but Gary, again, we got to remember this is Earth, and we're really concerned about this. But we're in heaven, <laughs> you know. all so keep that in mind. Uh, Uh, are you back into chapter by the chapter twelve? Uh, back to thirteen. Thirteen three. So yeah. One of the mountains. Mhm. Yeah. So so yeah. And if you let's go ahead and read. We read one. Let's see verse two. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So now we're getting into the symbolisms. Uh, his feet feet as a bear, mouth as a lion. Dragon gave him power. And his seat and his great authority. And I saw one of the heads. So the heads go back to verse 1 of the 7 as it were wounded to death. So somehow Satan uses this 
region, one of the powers that are there most likely to, to do this. By the way, this is all premeditated. This wasn't like, oh no, he got wounded. No, it's like, wound him on purpose. By the way, was Jesus wounded on purpose? Got it? So somehow in the plan of Satan, his Antichrist is going to die like Jesus died. And he's going to rise again. Who actually does this? I I don't know that there's any other references. Although the blame, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And the blame, yeah, you can definitely see it. And I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept because, you know, I'm trying to think anywhere was there blame, you know, um, at all brought up. You know, could they have said this is all because of the Jews or the because of the 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 other believers on the earth. I don't know that there's any evidence of anything like that. That's that's something to to study out though. Are you talking about who killed Christ? No, no, no. who 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 would have been part of the Antichrist being uh you know Slime. pierced with well, the Jesus volunteered himself. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I would assume too. Yeah. yeah. And so his, this wound is unto death. Now there's in my class they're like, well did he actually die or did he you know did he actually act or, hey, put it on CNN. Oh, this man is dead. He's in the streets. Oh, look, he's rising up from the dead. He's, he's, he's victored over it, you know. Whether he literally dies or he deceives everybody in thinking he died, either way, yeah. you want to look at it, the world sees it as he died. So whichever side of the fence you're on, you know, uh, go for that. You know, you got all kinds of people. Was was Jonah dead in the whale and come back to life, or was he just in there the whole time? He's a well, picture of death. <laughs> here you go. Some would say it's a picture of death. He didn't literally die. And others, like, when he comes to, in chapter 2, he came back to life and was like, oh, look where I'm at. You know, so you have people on both sides. We'll ask them when we get to heaven. <laughs> There's certain things I don't know. I mean, you know, we can, that's, you know, it's, you know, like you brought up, there's certain things it's not worth debating even. It's not worth, you know, uh, uh, a divide over. That's not <laughs> worth any kind of a, yeah, you know, we'll find out. Uh, there you go. So we just know the big picture here. And the big picture is he's imitating what Jesus did to save the world so that people will look at him as a Messiah. That's how they're looking at this Antichrist. He is our Messiah. He's our Savior. He's delivering us. That's why the image that's made, everybody falls down before it, um, is, is so vital because it's all about Satan receiving the worship through the Antichrist in that he gave him death and resurrection to imitate. Uh, by the way, you'll see the same uh, thing uh, other places where, where Satan is always trying to imitate uh, actually, the Antichrist is always trying to imitate Jesus. Uh, Satan, number five. Isn't there a hey, part in Scripture also a uh, section where they were questioning whether Christ really arose? And, and, First Corinthians 15. Yeah, and, That's what the whole so, chapter is about. This is this is paralleled in, in that way also. Yep, I can definitely see that. Yeah, because that's the whole case. Uh, the case for the resurrection is First Corinthians 15. And that's the one I quoted earlier. But later, after that, he says, but there's some of you that say there is no resurrection. Right. And if there's no resurrection, then Jesus isn't resurrected. And then he goes through the whole case of 
the reper, uh, ramifications if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Our faith is in vain. Our preaching is in vain. Basically, we're men that are absolutely miserable. So we're miserable people. Just horrible. Because we're believing in something that has, isn't even actually real. So that's why the resurrection is so powerful to believe. So next thing is the unholy trinity. We've already brought this up, so we can go through this pretty quickly. But Satan will establish his own unholy trinity. Satan as the dragon. That would all, I just should have put on here. That would be the same as what in the Godhead. The Father. Very good. Then the Antichrist, the first beast, would represent Christ as the, as the Messiah, right? And then the third one, false prophet, as we've developed, would be a picture of the Holy Spirit of God who's teaching and, and reflecting honor to the Antichrist. So there's Satan's unholy trinity. Satan has no imagination. No imagination. Everything that God is, he wants to give a counter, counterfeit to it. How do you see, before we get to the last point, how, how do you see Satan counterfeiting today? <clears throat> he is. I think we would all agree, yep, he's busy doing it now too. It sounds good, in other words. It looks godly, but it's counterfeit. It's just not real. Yeah, we could go into that, yep. Social gospel sounds good, but nobody's going to get saved if it's just being good, helping people, being a nice person, and never tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection. I was at a funeral a couple months ago. Um, guy came to my church, and uh, he, he uh, good man, uh, good man, and loved the Lord, but uh, I think he had a lady friend that he was interested in. So he went to this other church, and so the other pastor had the service. And he, it was interesting. He said, you know, Mark, just hammer me about our doctrines. And we didn't see eye to eye on everything. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Mm -hmm. And so when the funeral was being done, he, every, it wasn't that he said anything wrong. The, the thing is, is what he didn't say. <laughs> and he's like, folks, you understand <clears throat> God loves you. He really cares about your heart. He cares about your pain. He went through, and it was everything he said was right. But we never did say is, why did God love them? He never mentioned Jesus. He never mentioned the cross. He never mentioned he died for their sin. And he never mentioned the resurrection. Can a man be saved without the gospel? Got to have the gospel in there. So it's easy to talk about be good, love. We need to do that. But we also have to bring in truth. So Ephesians says, speaking the truth in love. So it's connected. The spirit by which we do it is to be done in love. But we still have to bring truth. Um, that movie, have you guys seen I Can Only Imagine yet? <gasps> is that amazing? It's an awesome movie. I pert near cried twice. Anyway, so, uh, so did you notice, and I've been using this one-liner that they had in uh, previews, um, and the one guy says in the previews, we believe truth is a person. And I'm like, write that one down in stone. I'm like, isn't that good? We're always looking for truth. What is truth? And Pilate was saying, what is truth? And truth was right in front of him. Yeah, truth is a person. And I will never forget that. Boy, that was powerful. I got goosebumps, and I don't get goosebumps much. That is, it is, and we know it. It's the yeah. truth. We have to give love and truth. Anyways, so we see we see social gospels. We see, um, you know, God says 
in the first of the law, I will have no other gods before me. So our nation is about idolatry. Whether we want to admit it or not, our culture is very idolatrous. Um, about six, eight weeks ago, um, I decided I'm going to preach until I'm done on Sunday morning. And I preached until I was done. It was the first time I've done it for years. I preached an hour and seven minutes. <laughs> and I didn't know I was that long. And the message was on, um, this is American idolatry. This is Americans' idols. And we walk through the different idols of America. Uh, that's on YouTube if you want to be bored, if you want to waste an hour. Uh, it's on there. Um, it was a mixed ideas on this, but I really feel the key that we are in in America is that we, in Colossians he says, uh, that coveting, which is idolatry, we are a nation of coveting. He says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. We see wife swapping going on all the time. Don't don't envy and be jealous and desire something that belongs to another guy. So we're all about cutting off somebody so I can receive what they have. It's done in the corporate ladders. It's done in business. It's done everywhere. I want to have. I want to have. It's never enough. We're a nation of greed, and that's our culture. That's why Ecclesiastes is my next session on Sunday mornings because I have to break us down in our minds and, and as Christians. And so we have to reconstruct. So, yeah, so there's a, there's definitely idolatry, and Satan has waved this darkness in front of the world, and it's like, ooh, 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 I want that. It's that monkey that they put something inside, and they grab it, and they can't pull their hand out. That's Satan with, with America. Um, the last agenda is to destroy. The year of your father, the devil, lust of your father will do. That's John 8, 44. And you'll see, uh, we can read these really quickly. Um, can, can you get the, um, can you get the um, 13 and 17, yep. 12, 13 and 17? Would you, Paul, would you mind reading the 13, 7? And then, anybody else want to do the 17 and 6? I can get them. I'll get the 17 and 19 then. Go ahead and read those. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that, the, that he had been thrown down into the earth, he, persecu he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. Verse 17, so the dragon was furious with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of, the, of her offspring, mm -hmm. those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that chapter deals with how Satan is trying to genocide the Jews during the tribulation time period. Uh, you got the next one? Yes, you got it. I didn't get to my notes. I ran out of time. All of what you just said are in my personal notes that I was going to say to you guys. You have you have Egypt, you have Pharaoh, you have Haman, you have Herod, um, you have Hitler, and yeah, that's that's now it's now it's the Muslims that would want and desire them to be genocide. Got the next one. And it was given unto him to make way. So he is attempting to make war, and he is trying to kill believers. It says saints. So that's 
every believer, not just Jews. Jew and Gentile are he was attempting to kill. So 17.6, how Satan does it is through Babylon. And we don't have time to get all that, but if, if you can, uh, you'll study it out. Um, I am in 17.6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. So literally, they're cheers. And idolatry, remember in Acts chapter 15, what were the Gentiles told not to drink? Isn't that interesting? See, all what God was saying in Acts 15 had to do with idolatrous worship. He says you can't have the cup of Satan and the cup of God. You can't, they don't blend. And that cup goes right into the Revelation and the cup is murder, killing, and we're celebrating the death of them. And she is drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. I saw her, I wandered in great admiration. That's why when she fell in these chapters, the world is like, how? This most powerful empire, how could she have fallen? Because she had control of everybody. She could kill who she wanted to. And in 19.2... It says, the true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great whore. We talked about that yesterday, how she's compared to a prostitute, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, had avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. So, I'm over time. You can, you'll never hear this story now. Sorry. I, got, I, gotta be, I have to be timely, so I'm going to be quiet now. Do you have any questions for me or any other cross-references? Okay. I love Lucy. You saw the the one show when she's in, uh, what do they call them, where they're trampling on the grapes? grapes yeah. Remember that one? They're throwing grapes at each other? I know you all saw that. You wicked people. We love that episode. But the thought is that's what God is doing with people, and that's what she has been doing is pressing and killing people, and then the blood comes out or the juice comes out and God says it's going to be God's turn in this chapter when Jesus comes back he says his his vesture is dipped in blood because he's coming down trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored all that you got it okay have a fabulous one see you in there